This is a recording from Reunions Weekend 2009 at the University of Virginia, made possible by the university's Office of Engagement and Alumni Education Program. On June 5, 2009, Kathy Haw, assistant professor in the School of Nursing, explored what is involved in creating a safe environment for older adults in their homes. She examines options family members could consider for a healthy and safe environment for their loved ones, resources available in the community to help meet the needs of older adults, how to advocate for older adults, and how to help older adults assess their own strengths and limitations. Thank you all for coming in on the rain. That was so sweet. <laughs> um, and hopefully, you by the time we get out, there'll be lots of sunshine. I hear it's going to pick up. And, and I did mention to someone earlier that had this game been at the same time at the baseball game, we would not be having this seminar. I would be watching the baseball game. <laughs> so um, we've got to get those who's out of this re, you know, big regional into over to Omaha. That's the plan for today, okay? So um, caring for your aging parents, as many of you all might have also had, I'm not sure, my interest in this came as I watched it happen to me. And then I decided it's time to learn more about this area. And um, interestingly enough, as I was pulling this talk together, I was sleeping at MCV Hospital, you know, on their cots while my mother was having her surgery. So it, it hits us all in very unique and special ways. So I know everybody probably has a story to share, and I'm very glad you're all here because I think it's such an important topic. So what I'd like to do is present a little bit um, and then open up for questions near the end if that's okay. All right. Um, this is the concern I think so many of us have is what's called Diogenes Syndrome, is that you're going to walk in and this is what you're going to find <laughs> at your parents' home. Um, all the hoarding and all of the um, spoiled food in the home, and you're just really worried. You don't want it to get to this point. And this is called Diogenes Syndrome. It was, um, the name was given to it by Clark back in 1975. And <clears throat> it's not that bad for you to have this concern because the most common report to the Adult Protective Services um, Agencies in the United States, United States is self-neglect. So it's a very worthwhile concern to have. You're not alone. Okay. Now, I have to have um, at least one good nursing research study to share with you. Okay, so this is my nursing research study to share. Janice and Mann, not the nursing researchers, but they knew that decision-making um, should be rational. So the decision about how long your parent can stay in their home is an important decision to make, and it needs to be based on data, it needs to be looked at alternatives, and you need to weigh the pros and cons. That's a given, okay? Defensive avoidance is another term Janice and Mann came up with that I thought is so appropriate because when, when the decision directly impacts the decision maker, all the rationality, all the bias goes out of it. You know, so if your parent is involved in the decision making, oh, we may do a little wishful rationalization, a little selective um, forgetting, a little selective inattention when that decision is being made. So a lot of times, decision-making can be very rational unless the person who's involved in the decision um, gets into the picture as well. So that's one thing to be concerned about. Now, differences in perception. We've all seen this picture probably of the older woman, the younger woman, just depending on the perception that you take. This is the research study. There was a um, Mastrian did a research study, and the stimulus for the study came about because all these older adults were surprised when it was time for hospital discharge that they were being advised to go into a nursing home. They were like, what, who, me? 
So their perception of was it safe for them to go home was different than the perception of the nurses and the other folks that were involved in their care. It's like, why are they sending me home and thinking I have to go to a nursing home? I am perfectly capable. So the decision-making, the perceptions are different. So what they asked the folks to do was to respond based on common skills or factors that were related to independent living, which ones they thought were most important. The nurses made a, their list, and younger adults made a list, and older adults made their list, and they looked at the differences. And they also looked at um, some common healthcare conditions to see which ones nurses thought impacted care the most and which ones older adults thought impacted care the most. Convenience sample, there was a lot of limitations, not a very diverse sample, only a 22% return rate on mailing. But still, I think some useful information came from this study. And what they found was for the skills that um, older adults older than 60 years of age thought were most important were balance and the ability to see. Every other age group and all the nurses thought the skill that was most important was managing medications, okay? But not true with the older adults. They said, I've got to be balanced and I've got to be able to see. Those are the two things most important to me. And the rest of us were way off target, okay? And then I thought it was interesting about the family. Having the family willing to help came in as fourth for the nurses and also in the younger adults. But the older adults and the middle-aged adults didn't necessarily see that as important. So I thought that was rather interesting as well. Now, differences as far as diseases, it's the ones you most often think about. The, um, the first one for everybody was Alzheimer's disease as the, as the disease that would impact their independence the most. Um, the second one for the um, older adults was dialysis, and it was across the board as well. Um, night, night wandering, stroke, and stroke and dialysis for the is that right? paralysis and dialysis. The thing that I wanted to point out that was different was that the nurses and younger adults found fractures to be more of interest. And I find that interesting because what is the one fear almost all of you have about your older adult in the home? falling, right? And they're, they're, that's not something they're worried about too much, okay? But it is something that maybe the younger adults and nurses are. Okay. Now, to keep somebody at home, which is kind of the premise of this talk, when can you keep them at home and when do you need to look at other resources, um, you must consider to keep them at home their medical history, finances, and one point that's important to remember is that if they are on a fixed income, Prolonged, modest inflation can be devastating. So fixed incomes are, you know, that's what they live with. And just basic old inflation can catch up really quickly. Their personality is important. Relationship with caregivers and proximity to services. These are all important things in the decision to keep someone at home. Now, how do you broach the subject? Well, it's kind of going back to doing the birds and the bees. Okay, you're doing the reverse role. I mean, they had to broach the birds and the bees with you, right? Okay, now you have to broach this subject with them. So it's just kind of a little bit of um, parallel there. One thing you want to do is back into the topic a lot of times. You can back into it by asking their advice. You can say, David and I are getting ready to prepare our will. How did you go about doing that? And so that might get them thinking about it and get them talking about it. And, you know, other things that can, you can do is reference their professional advisor, say, I know you went to the doctor the other day. What did your doctor say about 
how you should be eating or what kind of diet you should be on. So referencing professional advisors, respecting their decisions, and if you don't agree, you need to ask them questions that help them to decide if their decision is best. And one of the best questions you could ask them is, okay, I respect your plan, and I think it's worth a shot, but I want you to let me know what are you going to do if this doesn't work. So you kind of put the seed in their mind to be thinking ahead, respect the decision, but always being on the front, forefront of what's going to happen next. Um, and what I wanted to share with you all is I have lots of handouts over here that I couldn't afford to make copies of. <laughs> so what I did was I referenced, I have a page for you that um, these are websites that are very useful. And I was going to reference some of them as I go along, and you can just Put a little check mark. If you, if you want to, you can actually come up here after the talk, and you can find something that looks interesting and just check it off and know where to get it, OK? So this is the AXA Equitable Life Insurance Company, um, who has a lot of good suggestions. And their handout is up on front as well. As you're making the decision whether or not somebody should stay at home or whether or not they should move into more um, structured living, this is the most important thing that you need to consider. It's all about function. And I use this slide in my health assessment class when I teach my, third year, my second year nursing students about assessing older adults. The whole talk is almost always on function. Okay? Um, and there's three levels I just wanted to share with you a little bit today. Activities of daily living, spices, which is a nursing um, mnemonic, and independent activities of daily living. So I just want to quickly look at each one of these and see what we can do. ADLs are the basic activity of daily living. And all of you are very much probably in tune to whether your parent, your older adult friend, can do these things. Bathing, dressing, using the toilet, transferring, remaining continent, feeding self. And realize that many times the loss of these functions is often treatable and reversible. Okay, these are things that we can oftentimes take care of. And oftentimes these are the last things to go. Okay, so these are the things that they kind of hang on to until the end. They can probably pretty much do these things. And what we need to know as care providers is how we can support these things. Um, simple, helpful things like specialized dinnerware, automatic lifts, elevators, shower seats, making the house user-friendly, all the things you've probably read about or heard about, the button loopers, the zippers, um, personal emergency response systems, which you see up in the picture here, the person wearing the necklace. And what I read in some of my readings is, you know, great Father's Day gift, wouldn't you say, Mr. Woodward? <laughs> great Father's Day gift, great Mother's Day gift is to get one of these personal emergency response systems. Um, and then maybe a telephone reassurance program. Okay? These are some of the things to look at. Now, I also have to do a plug here because on Monday at the Senior Center here in Charlottesville, um, a UVA-based group here that are working on engineering and research, they have this new device called the Mobile Care Monitor, which is a wristwatch impact sensor locator and emergency call button system. And they're presenting the um, research on that on Monday at the Senior Center here in Charlottesville at 1 o'clock. So those of you who live locally, you may want to go avail yourself of that opportunity as well. And the reason why I wanted to put this here is because you're going to see new things every month 
you're going to see new devices, new things that you can purchase and buy for your loved one for your peace of mind. They have to want to use it to make it really work. So even though these things look really catchy and really nice, it's a two-way street. Okay, so don't get caught too much in getting a lot of things if it's not going to be useful. Now this is one of the handouts over here, okay, and it's the agingparentsandeldercare.com home safety. So we're still thinking good old activity of daily living and how you're going to work as the caregiver to keep your family member at home, okay? One of the things is to go all throughout the house, go room by room, and make sure that it's safe for your older adult to be at home, okay? And these are the things to look at, even things like the um, wood-burning stove, doorbells, telephones, all those things are very important. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew that's a good handouts and good resources on the websites. But it's very important to go through and look at these things to keep the home safe. Okay. Nurses look beyond the bathing, the dressing, and things like that. We look at sleep problems because it's more of quality of life. And we also look, okay, if somebody's not sleeping, why aren't they sleeping? Is it pain? Is it nausea? Is it, um, it, could it be just bad nutrition? Okay, so there's all kinds of things why people don't sleep. Are there problems with eating and feeding, incontinence, confusion, evidence of falls? Um, there was a research study that said 30% of community-dwelling adults will fall each year. Okay. And then we also are concerned about skin breakdown. And this is important because these are all preventable problems for the most part, okay? Confusion isn't always Alzheimer's disease, okay? Confusion can be urinary tract infections. Confusion can be pneumonia. Confusion can be medications. So it's not always you don't jump the gun and go Alzheimer's disease, Alzheimer's disease. Some of these things are treatable and reversible. So don't jump the gun, but get the big picture. Okay, that's very important. Um, if somebody says, oh, it's all normal aging, that's when you become the advocate. Okay, because it's not normal aging to be incontinent. It's not normal aging to lose your memory. Those are not normal things. You need to find a good, if I tell you anything else today that's <laughs> very important, I am a huge advocate for geriatricians. Okay, I really am. And there's just not enough of them to go around. Okay, so if you ever have a, if you have children and you're trying to figure out where they need to spend their life and where they're going to get a good income, tell them to all be geriatricians because there's, we need more and more of them. Um, because they really do, they look at the big picture and they know what's normal aging and what's not normal aging. And so they look for the, when there's somebody's confused, they said, well, tell me, you know, tell me about the, you know, potential for pneumonia. Tell me about the medications they're on. They look for the answers. They don't accept it as normal aging. So anybody who tells you something is normal aging, you advocate. You get second opinions, okay? And it, you can correct problems that are not normal aging, and usually they can stay at home. And that's the goal, to keep them at home. If it's not correctable, well, they may need assisted living, but you never want to go beyond what the, the level of independence is. Okay? You must address chronic illnesses, and there's a lot of them to be had, okay? and consult with everybody and anybody. Whenever you hear somebody say it's normal aging, you talk. 
you talk to your friends, you talk to your family members, and you kind of get a good idea of whether or not that's true. And the goal is to allow as much independence as possible. Okay, that's always the goal. Now, this is the last of the three layers. This is the independent activity of daily livings. And these are the ones that probably you all may be more in tune to. Okay, the good old ADLs like the bathing and toileting and things like that, you know, they're, they're, they really are the ladder to go. This is typically the first thing to go. Okay, can they use the telephone? Can they shop? Who prepares the meals? Who does the laundry? How do they get about driving? Huge issue. Huge issue. I've got a great handout over there on a checklist on driving safety. Okay? Um, in the state of Virginia, the only restriction is an eye exam if you're older than 80. That's it. Okay? Um, medication, finances, and then um, this is usually lost before the basic ADLs. So these are the things that oftentimes we're the most worried about are the independent activities of daily living. Now, what can we do to help out with those things? That's what's really important. Um, there's shopping services online. There's all kinds of things. If you, if you can afford it in today's society, you know, you can always do the Harris Teeter, call ahead, do the shopping, somebody pick it up and go. So there's all kinds of services that you can uh, make available to you. You can shop online and have things delivered to the home more often than not these days. Simple helps like kitchen tools, um, household reachers where you put things on sticks and things so that they can get things instead of having to climb. Visual aids like talking clocks, touch-tone telephones, books on tape. Computers open up the world, but you've got to have somebody who really wants to do it. But the neat thing about computer is how big can you get that print, right? So that's really helpful for a lot of people to have the large print from the computers. So there's all kinds of good things that come out of computers as well. Um, one thing that I love to share with my students when I do health assessment class, too, is to put yourself in their shoes, okay? If you have cataracts, um, you know how foggy and blurry things can look, okay? So I love going to this lighthouse.org um, website. I didn't put it on your thing, but you might want to look at it because it tells you pictures it shows you pictures of what things look like to somebody who has that anomaly. And another one is macular degeneration. So if you know someone or you're in tune with somebody who has macular degeneration, if you go to that website, you can see a picture of what they're seeing. You know, so you'll know where the things are missing, and it helps you appreciate what you need to do to help to make things safe. Plus, they have lots of tips. Okay? So that's another thing to think about are all the things you can do to make it better. Medications is a big one for us, not them, right? <laughs> so things that you need to be thinking about is a list of all medications. Um, empty all the cabinets. Go through the cabinets with your family member and make sure that anything that's outdated gets thrown away and the only things that are there are the things that are prescribed or you know to be useful over-the-counter medications. Okay? Use only one pharmacy. I thought this was a huge, huge tip, okay? I can't tell you how many older adults will say, well, they use this pharmacy because it's cheaper to get those drugs here, use this pharmacy because it's cheaper to get them there. But I don't think you can negate, especially if you're an out-of-town caregiver, the benefit of having one pharmacist who knows your parent, and they know what meds they're on, and they're looking for the interactions, and they're looking for the fact that 
This person over here prescribed them an ACE inhibitor, one of the drugs for blood pressure, you know, and this one over here prescribed it for something differently. So you'll know if they're being prescribed the same medication for two different purposes. Okay? Um, Over-medication is easy because they do get multiple MDs, multiple doctors. They have drug interactions that we don't necessarily have because of their metabolism is different than our metabolism. Um, food interactions, alcohol interactions, um, and just the fact that they take so many medications. So medications are huge to look at. Transportation, always a good one. And again, I told you there's a handout over there. Um, this is one of my own family members, and this is not my mom, but it's a family member that I know of. Huge issues with driving, very much so. And oftentimes, you know, this is one of the things that starts the conversation. It really does. You don't want your parent to drive because you're worried about their safety. And um, so you need to figure out, how do we do this? Um, before you even have that conversation with them, you need to explore what options exist in their area so you can tell them, I know there's a shuttle bus. I know Jaunt services this area. You, know, you need to be able to share with them what the options are so that you're not just taking something away without giving back. So that's very key. Um, Home delivery services, the, um, if you're really concerned, you can talk with the MD, the physician that's involved with their care, and express your concerns with them. That's okay. That's one-way HIPAA. We'll talk about confidentiality in a minute. But um, that's one-way HIPAA. So you'll be sharing with them. They aren't necessarily sharing with you at that point. And there is a handout over there. Now, I wasn't going to get into Alzheimer's because that's a whole nother, I mean, that's two seminars, <laughs> you know, in themselves. But one thing, Alzheimer's disease, if, there's a couple of handouts over there on Alzheimer's disease. And one of the things that they um, encourage people to do are take the keys away. And if you take the keys away, oftentimes if you just replace them with another set of keys that don't work, that's okay. It's just having the keys makes the difference, okay? But they can't get in a car and go somewhere. And there's more radical things that are described in here where the, the mechanic actually does something that if you turn on the car, it won't start. There's radical things, you know. So you have to ask yourself, am I willing to go to that much deception? Um, parking the car away from the home so they can't get to the car, you know, easily. There's all kinds of things that are, um, there are little things in there to help you. Okay. Finances are huge. Okay, knowing what to do as far as finances for your older adult. These are the people you want to keep at home. You really want to keep them at home, so you're looking for support programs. Um, one of the things is, I don't know why I hold this. I always think I'm going to look at my notes. But <laughs> I'm just going to put that down. Um, some of the things you need to think about is social programs. The current age generation, and Mr. Woodward, I'm going to pick on you. He told me, he goes, I'm going to be your representative older adult here, so I'm going to pick on him. He's from Charlottesville, and I'm very glad you're here with us. Um, one of the things, um, Mr. Woodward's generation, they, they just they paid into these programs. They paid the taxes. They put the money into it. But their generation is it's not for me. I gave for other people. They're so unwilling to accept to take from the programs they put the money into. And that's really something we have to remind our older adult parents or family members that, you know, you put your money in there for people who need it, and you're the person who needs it right now, and there's nothing wrong with that. Isn't that what you wanted your money to go to? So a lot of times we have to help them see that 
yeah, you did a good thing. And take, take credit for it and take the returns from it. Even things such as um, food stamps, meals on wheels, home health care, transportation. Okay? Now, Sally and I were talking before the talk here <laughs> that you know, my mom and her mom, uh, oh, there's people out there who need it way more than me. I mean, my mom is really, really, really sick, and she's out delivering meals on wheels. Uh, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just their mentality and the wonderful people that they are. And you know what? As long as they can do that, you don't take that away from them, right? Because that makes them feel self-esteem, independence, you know, as long as the driving's okay, right? <laughs> you know, those things you want to do, but then remind them when it's their turn and they're the ones who need the service, go, look, somebody wants to do that for you now. Don't take that opportunity away from somebody else. Let them have the, the love that you got from doing it from others. Let them feel that now. So having them to accept some of these services is far more challenging than the services being there. So that's important. Finances, um, another thing that they told you, gifts to give. You know, Entrepreneurial businesses, they love to help older adults, sometimes at a good price. But you can give it to them as a gift. You know, people who are financially savvy who can help the older adult with their finances, that's a nice gift to give if anybody's willing. But a lot of times it's like, mm, I don't need to share my finances with anybody else. Thank you very much. But sometimes if you can get there, it's a good thing to do as well. Okay? Down here at the bottom is probably one of the most valuable. I knew I couldn't go through everything I wanted to share with you all today, so I tried to give you resources. So. This is probably one of the most valuable sites you can go to. It's this benefitscheckup.org. Okay? It takes you through what is this older adult, um, what could be a possible service for them, and you make sure that they're getting it if, they're, if it's available. Okay? It's a great website. So that's one to look at. Um, financial support, AARP, I forget to mention them, but it is, a, I mean, I've gotten my letter. Have you gotten, <laughs> I've gotten my letter. Um, so they, they have a lot of good resources. And this um, one right here, managing money from afar, I found this to be very valuable as well for you folks who are out in Oregon, you know, or wherever, and you're trying to help your parents out financially. What are the resources available to you? So um, when you're looking at this, the other thing I can tell you, is elder attorneys are wonderful people. Just like the geriatrician, okay? If you can get to an attorney who specializes in elderly services, that's not a mistake. It's probably going to save you money in the long run because they know even the little things, as you've got three different accounts and you have to figure out which one do I draw from first to help to pay for my parents' services. Well, some people, you know, you have your tax-deferred IRAs, and they're going to require you to chip out of that initially up to a certain minimum requirement. And then you want to make sure you go into the things that are not taxed. You know? So there's a, there's a real system as to how you finance your family's health care when they get older. And you know, unless you're a financial consultant or an advisor, you're going to miss out on a lot of the things that are there and available for you. So I, I advocate elderly attorneys that specialize, um, I mean, attorneys who specialize in older adult financing because I think that ultimately it's money up front, but I bet you they save you money in the long run. Tax deductions. You know, can you take your older adult family member as a tax deduction? Yes, you can in certain situations. So, I mean, there's things that you may not automatically know about that elder law attorneys, they will help you with. 
Okay, so I, that and geriatricians, I think, are wonderful people. And if they don't want to be a geriatrician, have them be an elder care lawyer, right? <laughs> good, good things to go to. Medical support, um, health insurance, knowing what their, what their medical insurance needs are. Um, D was the one that was most recently implemented. And, you know, every fall I go, well, not every fall. This fall will be my second year, but I'm going to Java, and we sit with older adults and help them determine what Medicare Part D they need to pick up on. So there are services to be out there for you, you know, for your older adult member to know what's the best program for me. Medicaid, long-term care insurance. Long-term care insurance, you know, the people who come out the best on that are the insurers. <laughs> you know, they're the ones who usually make the most money out of it. But don't write it off. Don't write it off. Explore it. See what the options are. Um, nine times out of ten, it's probably not that useful. But for some people, it is. So you just have to kind of weigh your pros and cons there. Knowing medications, knowing medical tests. One thing I can tell you, keeping your family member at home, the object here, keeping them at home, major illnesses. If your family member has a major illness, you need to educate yourself to the signs and symptoms of that illness. And you need to educate yourself to what are the progressive signs and symptoms. Okay? So it's not just what are the current signs and symptoms they have, but what am I need to be in tune for to look out for? And we were talking Alzheimer's disease as an example of this. You know, tell me where I am at the beginning and where I'm going to be down the road. What should I be looking for next? Okay? So that's very important to know from the get-go how things will progress over time. So you know the, where the changes are going to occur. Durable power of attorneys, living wills, all very important. Um, and that's really the next slide I think I have here is um, HIPAA. Okay? HIPAA, I love AXA, and one of these publications up here said it's a good example of the best of intentions gone bad. But that's only because we don't, um, we need to be more proactive when it comes to HIPAA. We need to already, see it says do now, okay? So every single one of you all in here who are here because you have an older adult parent, right now, you need to make sure that your older adult will share with you permission to talk with the doctor, share with you permission to talk to an attorney, share with you permission to talk to these folks, and you just simply say, you know, we don't expect anything to happen to you for 15 years, but dad, what if you had a heart attack tomorrow? I want to know what your intentions are. I want to know what you want me to do. Say, I know it's not going to happen. 15 years from now, we'll be making these decisions. But I'm just, if you don't do it for yourself, Dad, do it for me. Okay? So make sure that you get on there early, and then HIPAA is not really an issue. Okay? So as long as you get on the upfront, everything's good. Um, these are the documents, and this is another, I got an arrow there, because I think this is one of the, thing, one of the sites you really need to go to when you leave here. Um, where to find my important papers. It tells you what are the important papers. If your family member has a pet, the veterinarian is an important paper. Okay? Um, it, otherwise, social security number, birth certificates, divorce papers, real estate, all those things obviously are the important papers. But this website tells you, it just gives you all the rich things that we may forget. And I can't spend up here and just go down the list. So that's an excellent resource. The other thing I can tell you with this is um, 
one of the biggest hints. Have all these things in a binder and put the binder at a home in a file drawer or in a dresser or somewhere. It's okay to have them in a safe deposit box, but you know who's going to have access to that safe deposit box unless it's already been signed to you that you get access to it, and then how long does it take for you to get access to it? So have these things at home, copies, okay? Have copies of the important papers at home and make sure at least one person knows where those copies are, okay? In an organized, structured form so that people can get to them, okay? Um, keys to the home, make sure that's taken care of and you know that. And then also a, a kicker is funeral and burial wishes. I've heard several people say that they had no idea what their parents' funeral arrangements were at all, nothing. And, you know, they didn't know they had a burial plot somewhere, and they went and buried them, some, you know, buried them somewhere else. So, you know, just think about things like that, even though you don't want to. Okay? Now, I'm <clears throat> going to take a break with this, and I think we had a little late start, so I just want to make sure I get to the important thing first. This is a team approach. Okay, absolutely a team approach. Nobody can keep their family member in their home setting alone. Okay, you just can't do it. It takes all these people working together. Okay, and it takes, um, I think geriatric care managers are a wonderful new resource that's out there. Oftentimes they're nurses, which I think is excellent because they see things holistically. Geriatric care managers. But then you have to learn how to get along with your siblings, okay? How many of you all have siblings and you're doing this together? Isn't it fun? <laughs> Actually, I'm very blessed. I can't complain about mine. Um, <clears throat> these are some of the things, some of the hints about family member communication, regularly scheduled meetings, family meetings where you avoid attacks or blaming. My mother-in-law gave me the biggest, she said, you never criticize the caregiver. Never, never, never. So if you all are in the situation where you have family members who are out there giving care, and, you know, if you know it's a, you know, on the up and up and there's no, nothing going on like elder abuse, you don't criticize that caregiver unless you're willing to come in and take over for them. Okay? So that's something very much to remember, you know. And this is, um, you always keep a detailed list of things to do. But this is the slide that I think is very important. Work to your strengths. If you are dividing care up and keeping your older adult member at home, and you're trying your hardest to keep them there, these are the things you need to divide up who does what based on their strengths. Okay? My sister has all the power of attorney with my family for the finances. She has her PhD in econometrics. I mean, she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> she's doing that, and she's married to an attorney. Fine, do it, go for it. I am on all of the medical power of attorney papers, the durable wills, so it's split up according to where our strengths lie. Okay? And some, you know, that way everybody feels like they're participating and, and it's not a burden on any one person. Um, travel, financially, who can afford to travel? And emotionally, who can afford to do um, you know, the, the changing roles? Like for some people it's harder. You get back into... My dad never loved me, or they loved her best. You know, the sibling rivalries. So there's a lot of emotional issues on the table, and they need to come out, and they need to be discussed. Okay? Time commitments, work. You know, work, there's, uh, there's um, USA Today is one of the resources that I gave you on there. They had some excellent things in the USA Today series about work. 
how people help. They talked about what IBM did to help. Um, they may be so helpful as to just have counselors, but some agencies will go as far as to pay for emergency older adult care if needed. If it means keeping my sister with her PhD on, in econometrics on the job, they're going to pay for somebody in an emergency to go take care of her, her, um, my mother because she's worth more on the job than what they would be paying this person. So you have to investigate what each of your work services are, are willing to do because a lot of times the larger companies are more willing to do this, especially now since it's becoming more of an issue. These are some other community services, respite care, senior centers that think you're keeping your loved one at home, but just like I said, it is not in isolation. You have help, okay? So you look for these resources to help you. Um, if you're a family member, and a lot of times older adults, you know, in their 70s or 80s right now, the church um, and any kind of, um, like, religious services are very important to them. And most of their strength and most of their, their, um, their what do I want, services that they get are from their church community. So don't forget to tap into that. Ask the minister, uh, um, ask the pastor, ask the priest, or whoever you have, how can, you know, my mom and dad are coming home. They're not going to tell you these things because, you know, they know that Joe French over here is much sicker than I am. But how can you help provide services for them? Because they want to. They need to know. Now, these are some of the agencies that the County Area Agency on Aging, their website is there for you as well because they provide services and watch into things locally. And then when you're long distance, I have some things over here as well that tells you what to do if you're a long distance care provider. Getting the newspaper, I think, is a wonderful idea. That's kind of nice because it kind of keeps you in touch. But spending time at their home and learning the challenges of what your family member is going through when they're at home is very important as well, because you can live firsthand what they're doing. Fax machine, again, if they're willing to use it, you can send reports. You can, your mom and dad went to the doctor and you want to see what the health report said, they can fax you a copy of it. So that's a nice gift that you can give as well. Um, special problems, I think because of time I won't go into this because I do want to go to the last thing about when you know it's time to quit keeping them at home, okay? So I do want to go into that. Um, I can make them, can I make them available? Sarah said I can, yes. I will make them available, not to worry. I, okay, resources, um, other things to look at. And let's see, caregiver well-being is very important. Um, these are the things, you, and I always just put the, to sum this slide up, this is my answer of summing this slide up. When you get in the airplane, what does the stewardess tell you to do? You gotta put the oxygen mask on you before you do the child, right? Same thing here. If you don't take care of yourself, how much of you is going to be left to take care of someone else? Okay, so it means respite care so that you can go away to Vegas for the weekend or wherever you wanna go, okay? It means you know, calling in and having somebody spend the evening with them. So this is just, that picture there just sums up to me what this slide is all about. You have to take care of yourself. And you know what? There are so many resources out there for you as well. You just have to tap into them. Okay. 
Now, this is where I wanted to get before I feel so bad because I wanted to have more discussion, but recognize when it may be in the older adult's best interest to reconsider the decision to stay at home, okay? So this is where it gets to the point that, okay, you're doing your best. You're doing everything for the ADLs, the financing. You're doing all the things, and the resources are here for you so you can go home and look up where you need help with. You're doing all those things, but when does push come to shove? When can you know... You, you can't do it anymore, okay? Um, basic questions, but this is the dilemma. The freedom to live where and as one chooses is one of the most basic of human rights, okay? Any decision to override this freedom and impose society's choice on an individual must be undertaken with care and with full appreciation of this right. So obviously you all are here because you know it's a decision not to be entered into lightly, okay? And if you go back to the very first slide on that decision-making, that becomes a part. Now, capacity is the goal here. We don't call people incompetent anymore. It's all about capacity. Does the individual have the capacity to do the things that they need to do? So when the balance between the patient's preferences and resources do not add up in your mind or the minds of professionals, Executive function may be the primary basis for substantiating the argument that community residence is no longer safe. It doesn't matter what their diagnosis or condition is. They may have no diagnosis whatsoever, but they lose what we call executive function. And I just want to quickly share with you what executive function is. Executive function depends on a working memory and it comes from the prefrontal cortex, and of course the, um, we have a medical definition of it as well. But basically on the next slide, you'll kind of get a feel for what it is, okay? Executive function is the ability to carry things out predictably in a sequence and with the goal in mind. That's what executive function is. How do you evaluate for executive function? That's what all you okay, so how do I do this to know whether or not it's time to move on? There's lots of little things that a professional, a geriatrician, will do. Mind you, this is informed consent. You just don't go willy-nilly doing this on people. <laughs> this involves informed consent, and you have to rationalize why you're doing it, and you get the older adult's permission. My mom, when she was just at MCV Hospital last week, a geriatrician came in to see her, and he asked her permission. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your memory and do some little tests. And she said, certainly. Okay, thank goodness. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but um, these are the things that, you know, you ask permission, okay? But if you're interested, these are some of the kind of things that work. And I think clock drawing, what you do is they draw a clock um, from scratch, and you look at how that's done, and then they can draw a clock based on a copy of a clock. If somebody has Alzheimer's disease, they can't do either one. If somebody has um, an alteration in executive function, and that's it, they don't have Alzheimer's necessarily, they just have executive dysfunction, they, they can't do it just from scratch, but they can copy it beautifully. So they, you know, they may have executive dysfunction, so they're missing half of that. Okay? Controlled oral word association are things like I'm going to give you the letter F, and I want you to tell me as many words as you can over a minute that begins with the letter F. And then you give them two more times, so they get a total of 30 words. Okay? So a lot of people will do it with like animals. Name 10 animals. 
you know, or things like that. So it's that kind of processing. And then the last one is trail making test, which is you have them do 1 through 26. They count 1 through 26, and they do the alphabet, A through Z. And then that's just to make sure they know the language. That's all that's for, okay? And then you say A1, B2, C3, D4, all the way up to M. And if they miss two of those, then you worry about executive function. Okay? So there are finite tests that geriatricians will do to measure executive dysfunction. So those are things to think about. Your gut is also important. Okay? So you know your, your gut, can't, are they inflexible, indifferent, apathetic, lack of initiative? Going back to the elder abuse slide that I didn't go over, the alcohol, the depression, you know, things that you worry about as far as keeping them at their home. Okay, so it's more than executive dysfunction. These things are important as well. Okay? And if necessary, a judge will determine the capacity. But you don't want to get it there. But you know what? You can have durable power of attorney. You can have durable power of attorney for financing and health care. But when it comes push to shove and it's time to take that person out of their home and put them in a nursing home, if they won't go, you still have to have them declared um, with executive dysfunction. Now, if they go will willingly and you've got executive power, right, that's never a problem. You've got durable power of attorney. They go willingly. Life is good. And that's, the, that's what you hope would happen. But if you have durable power of attorney, which means that you can make the decisions even when they're incapacitated and they won't go, you may still have to go this route. Okay? So that I think everybody never wants to go there, but sometimes you have to go there, even with durable power of attorney. Okay? Because somebody's got to say they're incapacitated in that situation. There's lots of options, okay, as far as where folks can go. This is Westminster Canterbury up at um, Blue Ridge. Okay. Um, will it be with you? That's always a good one. They can come home with you, maybe. That might work. A lot of folks, it's happening nowadays because of the economy, right? Um, and require, if they need help with daily living, there are certain options as well. Okay. Now, this is what you have on your handout. And these are the references I cited. And that's what I wanted to share. <laughs> And my goal was, the purpose of the talk was, how can you, what do you need to look at to keep your older adult at home? Do you have the resources that you need to, to help make that happen? And hope, I knew I couldn't do them all, but I'm hoping you can use these websites to kind of say, I need help with finances and bring that in. I need help with driving and look there. I need help with safety and pull that one down. Um, and then what do you, as the, as the, um, as the, as the child of the older adult parent, what papers do you need? That's so important. And what do you need to be looking at and planning proactively? So, so I'm, I feel like we rushed a little. And I, I think with the weather, we started late trying to make sure everybody got in. So I apologize for the time constraint. If you want the PowerPoint, um, just email me and I'll send it to you. Okay? And, we don't, and there won't even be third parties involved. Okay? It's KHH. Kathy Henley Haw at Virginia.edu. Okay? And just just I'll be glad to send it to you. KHH. Mm-hmm. At Virginia.edu. It'd be my pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.